Executive Committee. He is organic recycling specialist in the state of North Carolina, and he's going to talk to us about diversion of food waste, and I'll let him say everything else he wants. And afterwards, if you have questions or just want to chat for a bit, even though we don't have refreshments, I welcome you to do that. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, See that? Is that better? Well, good evening. I'm Brian Rosen. I'm from the North Carolina Department of Environment and Natural Resources, and I'm in the division of what we call it DIPI, Division of Pollution Prevention and Environmental Assistance. Uh, we offer uh, technical assistance on environmental issues uh, from uh, waste energy or energy conservation, water conservation for industry and municipalities we have people in our division who work with um, construction demolition electronics uh, hotel uh, hotel restaurant uh, industry diverting their waste and we have specialists in bottle containers and uh, I happen to be the organic recycling specialist um, and I, I I provide technical assistance on diverting organic waste, uh, diverting it from landfill. Um, our division also offers grant monies to startup companies, not startup companies, but recycling companies trying to increase their diversion of waste, whether it be recycling pop bottles uh, or newspaper. And then we also have a segment of that grant money is earmarked for food or for composting in particular food waste diversion. Uh, and that is my um, focus for the next few years. When I took the job three years ago, um, that's, that's what I've been working towards is food waste diversion for the last 16 years. Um, before coming here, I spent 16 years in Michigan working on uh, small scale composting programs, uh, large scale vermicomposting programs, trying to get um, facilities uh, on-site facilities to do on-site composting. Um, anyways, when I took the job three years ago, that was my focus was to get to the point where we can start diverting more and more food waste. North Carolina is very progressive compared to most of the states in the country, and it's a great opportunity for me to get involved in that kind of um, project. So here I am three years later, and I'm just now feeling comfortable enough knowing a lot of the players around the state and um, so this is going to be a, just an overview of what's going on in the state as far as food waste diversion. I'll talk about the hierarchy, who's doing it, why they're doing it, and then um, I'll talk about some of the tech technology that's being utilized. And then uh, in the, the basis of all of this is I've put together a North Carolina food waste task force. We, we had a seminar here in Orange County uh, a month and a half ago. We had about 50 people attended it. Um, and there's, so there is definitely interest throughout the state uh, to divert food waste. Sorry, let me get started. Uh, feel free, let's just, uh, let's just uh, have any questions, just feel free to ask questions and it'll be pretty informal. So here we are in North Carolina. We have our population is over eight million. Um, 
we are disposing about seven million tons of waste here per year in North Carolina. Yeah. And we've done a, a uh, analysis, the waste stream analysis, and finding out that food waste is above 12 percent. We we looked at quite a few different waste stream analysis throughout the country, and we kind of picked several that meet our same population grid um, and base it on what they were finding out. So actually, I think it's probably closer to 15% here in North Carolina, but we're going to stick with the 12% because the average is, um, that's pretty much the national average. And based on, figures out to be about a little over half a pound of food waste per person in the country per day is being thrown away. Um, so based on that half pound, 0.53 pounds per person per day, it works out to about 839,000 tons per year here in North Carolina. So that's a lot of food waste. Um, and when I say waste, it's a waste when it gets in landfill because once it gets in landfill, it causes lots of problems. Um, the, the liquid, food waste is 85% moisture. Landfills are not designed not to take liquids. It's defined from municipal solid waste. Once they get in the landfill, the, the vegetables that are the food waste breaks down, releases that water, that percolates through the landfill and causes leachate. As that water percolates through the landfill, it's picking up contaminants as it gets down and then it goes off to be treated. So it's creating most of the moisture that's getting into the landfill. Um, the other problem with food waste, as it degrades in the anaerobic situation in a landfill, it causes methane. Methane is um, number one global warming gas. Uh, it's 27 times worse than carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So we need to get that methane out of there. Even if we can capture it, but it's still, there's only a small percentage of landfills that are um, managing the methane in the landfills. It's, they're flaring it off, they're piping it off, and a lot of it's escaping. So anyways, if we can divert food waste, it's the number one contributor to methane in the landfill. They're, 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 landfills are not, they're taking less and less organic matter. Back in the 90s, they diverted yard waste, which was a major contributor of organic matter in landfills. So they diverted that out. So now it's between cardboard, paper, and food waste. So uh, the EPA has established a hierarchy in North Carolina and most states around the country has adopted this, the hierarchy of how to manage food waste. Hierarchy states, first thing to do is reduce waste uh, reduction at source. Uh, looking at how you prep things, how you order things, how you handle things, reduce it before you even come into on site. And then if you're creating food waste, we'd like to see it diverted to feed hungry through uh, food banks and things like that. Create animal feed with it and um, then compost. And then the re remainder uh, should be landfilled. Currently, here in North Carolina, we have about 6% diversion going to be diverted to uh, feed to hungry, animal feed and compost and 94% is being landfilled. We're about 100% uh, better than all the other states. Uh, it's about 3% nationally that's being diverted. So we're, we're 
above and beyond most states, but we're still got a long way to go. Uh, as far as reduction, um, first thing to do is reduction is look at your waste stream and do a waste stream analysis. I've worked with, uh, I just did a project a few years ago here at um, Frank Porter Graham Elementary School just down the street here. Um, we did a three-day sort. We had the kids sort out all their, all their, all their organics, all the food waste, all the paper products, <coughs> one in one container, food waste, everything. We sorted it out, did a three-day sort. The first day, I forget, I think it's like 500 students. I forget exactly the numbers. But the first day was about 96 pounds of food waste was collected. The second day was over 200, and then the third day went back down to about 98 pounds. And we found out on the day two, and this every other two, every other Wednesday, they make uh, baked potato and corn on the cob for these kids in the school, and the kids were throwing it all away. They weren't eating it. Half the kids don't have two front teeth; they can't eat the corn. Um, so that's why the number spiked there that second day. With so we average now it's about 90, 92 pounds, ninety-six pounds a day and it worked out to about half a pound per student something like that you can get on my web page and that report's available um, another th interesting thing we found out in that analysis is they use styrofoam trays they've taken out all the washing facilities so they can't wash the plates and the trays and things and put styrofoam trays in um, in a one week time we gathered up um, it would have been Forget the number of 30 gallon bags, but there was enough to fill an eight yard dumpster hmm. once a week. In a total of 206 pounds in that eight yard dumpster, and, and I don't know the numbers it costs or whatever, but they're filling an eight yard dumpster up once a week with 206 pounds of air. I mean, styrofoam and air primarily. And the school system was getting charged for that pulled every time, whether it was full or not. But, anyways. Those are some of the things we were finding out in these analysis that there's some simple things that they could do to reduce the waste. And um, those are the few things that dropped, jumped out. Another one was, uh, did one at uh, Fort Bragg. Um, that's, that was amazing. They have 27 dining facilities on, on base. And we, we chose three different ones, all, um, each, there's three different types of facilities on base and one from the Gomer Pile um, uh, mess hall with the old style building all the way up to Wilmot um, Hospital, state of the art. They had everything just, it was amazing. The difference, how they process things, how they ordered things, how they handled things and their diversion rates. The Gomer Pile old little wooden shack mess hall was generating almost one and three quarters pound of waste per meal served a day. And then all the way down to Womat, it was almost a quarter pound of waste per meal served. So you could see the different ways they were handling stuff, how it would affect the amount of waste being generated. So we haven't finalized that analysis, but they're feed, doing about 85,000 meals a day. So they were generating, I think it's something like 10 or 12 tons of food waste on site every day, just at Fort Bragg. So, uh, so they're paying attention, they're looking at the way they do things and they're gonna upgrade and there was a, 
it was funny, they, they had paid this company two or three hundred thousand dollars to do analysis, and when we read the report, it didn't tell them anything. I mean, they didn't know what they were generating, how they were generating, or they just, the bottom line is this is what it costs you to throw everything away, and they charge them two hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So, our division does do those kind of programs for free for anybody. So, it's an interesting, uh, Here in North Carolina, we have some great food waste diversions through food banks. Uh, the North Eastern and Central Carolina Food Bank out of Raleigh has quadrupled the amount of food waste they are diverting to feed the hungry. In the last three years, they've quadrupled the amount. We're working with uh, food processors, um, growers, restaurants, grocery stores, and they're diverting uh, six million pounds um, along with, we, we really don't have a good handle on it, but with the new law, the laws that are, federal laws are in place, it's a good Samaritan law, restaurants, grocery stores can divert food waste to feed hungry people. If they give it out in good faith that this food is still good and viable, they, they, there's no repercussions. So, um, anyways, there's a lot more work to be done. One of the major uh, North Carolina Food Bank just got their eggs production cut in half. One of the suppliers dropped out or something. Um, so it really impacted them immediately. Within one day, uh, they were impacted because they have they run on uh, volunteers coming in to sort these eggs out. They call the bad eggs, throw them away. Um, so half their volunteers were out of a job, but um, it impacted the whole process, yes. If I'm talking to a manager of a grocery store, what can I tell them? How do they get involved in this program? How do they? On the food waste uh, yes. diversion? Um, you can contact uh, any of the uh, food banks to see. They, they usually have a coordinator that will work with you and they can provide you with all the necessary forms or information that you need. You can call the food bankers one in Durham. Um, and you can, are you in a restaurant? No, I'm, well, I'm just wondering hypothetically okay. because I'd like to get the word out. Sure. Um, so uh, it's it's um, direct word of mouth between the two organizations. Um, there isn't a easy to, you can Google or just find out who the uh, local food banks are for non-processed foods. Um, and then if you, if you know restaurants and that has food that's prepped already. Um, they can work with soup kitchens and food, uh, food shovels and things like that, where they'll come right to your restaurant, pick up the food, and take it back and distribute it through a, um, a Feed the Hungry program, um, Meals on Wheels, things like that. And it, it's all available. Um, Interface Food Shuttle in Raleigh has a great program. They just built a three and a half million dollar facility where they can get at-risk food that's that's gone to the food banks and the food banks just can't get it out in time and the stuff's ready to be spoiled. They can send it over to Interfaith where they have a kitchen where they can process it, cook it, flash, flash freeze the meals and then distribute it on Meals on Wheels that way. So it's a really neat program. And I'll talk about that in a minute. A little bit more in a minute, but um, on January 16th, you're all welcome to join us. Um, 
our first um, North Carolina Food Waste Task Force uh, meeting is going to be at the Interface Food Shuttle um, at 10 o'clock the 16th, which is a Tuesday, next Tuesday. And you're all welcome to join. Uh, we're looking for people who want to work on the committee to help push food waste diversion. And so we'll have a meeting from 10 till 2. Um, Whole Foods is supplying our lunch. And then after the, uh, the lunch, we're going to tour the facility and they'll show you how they, they even teach people um, how to cook and prep. And so it's a learning process for these people to get them off the streets. They teach them a, 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 a trade, how to cook. It's an amazing program. So, okay. yes. so when the membership closes, you know, we take down there hot bar at 8 o'clock and the nurse goes in the back room and the employees want it, if not, it doesn't recycle and stuff. At 9 o'clock, you know, all the leftover muffins and bagels and bread, a lot of it gets thrown away. Just thrown at 9 o'clock? They so can't keep it till morning? Or? Well, there's <coughs> certain things that they can and certain things that they can't. Right. Daily bakery and the daily bakery, the mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, is this like a, I mean, at nine at night, is there somebody that's going to be willing to come pick this stuff up? That's a good possibility, yes. I mean, food banks are looking for donations all the time. Again, contact the nearest coordinator, contact the organization and see who the coordinator is and work out some kind of schedule. Maybe it's not going to be available that day. They call the food bank director. Food bank or a food shuttle, food bank over in Durham is real active in it. And I know there's a food a soup kitchen right here, right on um, Rosemary and the other one, Frank. Columbia. Yeah. And they would take, they'd be glad to take that food. I've dropped lots of food out there. So anyways, it's really neat that this kind of thing is happening. Lots of interest. Lot, again, not enough people know about it, that it's available. A lot of restaurants, grocery stores balk at that. <coughs> and there's there's uh, laws in place that lessens their liability with that Good Samaritan. It's actually called the Good Samaritan Law. Because I asked one of the employees and they said, oh, you know, there's liability issues. Because I said, you know, can't we get this stuff over to the soup kitchen? I mean, just my gut reaction to seeing all this food mm -hmm. and the garbage was hey. And they said, oh, you know, liability issues. Well, yep. But next month, right? We and, and you can go to the, <laughs> get a hold of the content. Again, get a hold of the coordinators and go to the EPA. has a great web page on all of these issues, too. Animal feed. And this is kind of an interesting, uh, as you can see in that slide, uh, we only had 66 uh, farmers uh, apply for permits this year compared to 117 just, what, seven years, 10 years ago? Uh, what's happening, those hog farmers are changing their process. Um, they're all under contract to buy the feed from their suppliers. They're under contract. They, all they do is provide the housing for the hogs. And anyways, they have to feed these hogs a specific diet. And I got a slide at the back at the end of the show. I'll show you what I'm talking about, but anyways, so those hog farmers are further and further away from the urban settings. Uh, there's a few of them around, but they're less and less likely to come into the urban areas where the food is, to pick up the food, to take it back to the hogs. And not only are they less and less, they're smaller and smaller farms. They just can't do it. Um, Campbell's Soup down in Maxton, down near Wilmington, 
produces 12 million pounds of really good food waste. Um, carrots, pasta, peas in their soup production. When they, they go down the line, the stuff, the produce is coming down the lines, the pickers, instead they see a blemish on a carrot, they don't pick that out. They grab handfuls and just throw it behind them. And it's the most production, it's fast production, and so they're just, pickers are just throwing handfuls of it. They fill up a 40-yard dumpster every week, or two or three times a week, of just this hand-picked stuff out. They send it to a hog farmer. They're looking for an alternative. They, he's not, the guys are going to be retiring soon. His equipment's poor. Um, so that's just one of many out there that could be diverted to feed hungry or compost. Um, anyways, and again, that feeding, the, the rendering, all the, all the meats and stuff uh, you see out back, um, grocery stores, restaurants. Not only do they have the grease pits out back, the, the Caroline byproducts, black containers out behind the grocery stores and restaurants for all your grease, that's changing too. That used to go to the byproducts, rendering plants, all the meats and bones and things would go to rendering plants and they would put, create dog food and cat food and animal feed and things like that. That's changing too because now we have a biodiesel industry coming online. They're looking at that grease as a feedstock to generate diesel. So it's kind of interesting how that changing and it, they used to pay to haul that away, restaurants and grocery stores. Now all of a sudden everybody wants it. Restaurants and grocery stores are now saying, well, you know, give me 25 cents a gallon or something. So you, you're seeing that whole, the dynamics are changing. It's a whole interesting thing coming up. And backyard composting um, in the last, I think it's the last nine, I don't know how many years, seven years or so. Uh, our division has given out over um, a lot of money to the individual communities to do compost bin distributions. Here at Carborough and Chapel Hill and Orange County does those backyard compost distribution programs. They are, some of those are funded through our, our division. And where they do, they offset the cost to these bins so the individuals can get these things for 20 bucks or whatever. By backyard composting, if an individual or a household does it right, they can divert about a third of a ton per household per year. So what we've done, we, do, we figure we've done about 9,000 bins through our grant program. And I'm just gonna throw some ballpark numbers out there. So if we can get a third of those 9,000 uh, composting, so that's about 3,000, and so that's about 1,000 a, a tons a year that we're diverting just, just by backyard composting. And I know, I know that number is a lot higher than that, but that just a ballpark here in North Carolina, we're diverting well over a thousand tons a year just by backyard compost. We're also blessed with five great large-scale compost facilities here in North Carolina, diverting a tremendous amount of stuff. That last picture is interesting picture. This is um, Wallace Farms down in Huntersville, just north of Charlotte. It's got a great facility. You can see he's got 40, 50 acres all under compost. Used to be a dairy farm in the 50s. That kind of went out. 
he turns it over into a compost facility and he takes a large variety of materials, food waste, yard waste, manures, uh, food production, sludges. Uh, he brings in about 50,000 gallons of ice cream every week, compost, all of that, cardboard, wax cardboard, cotton moat, okay. Anyways, when I took this picture three years ago, this berm and back here and here, nice trees and things. The second time, I came back about six months later, the berm on this side was gone, all the trees are cut, and there's McMansions all along the edge. Came back a year later, this whole berm is gone, all McMansions along there, and I went back six months later, and this berm's gone with McMansions. So within three years, that's just covered with these big, you know, $200,000 homes. Well, they're, they're complaining about him, and they're paying lots of tax money. It looks like they're going to shut him down. He's been there for 50 years. Uh, they built their houses overlooking this beautiful field. And anyways, the, the taxpayers are yelling and screaming, and now that has caused so much problem in the state for composting. It's, it's affecting permitting issues all over the state. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> so he, he um, received money for taking the compost? Is that how yeah, he, he gets a tipping fee, just like a landfill. Mm -hmm. Trucks from all these food processors, sludges, yard waste, <coughs> sawdust, wood chips, um, just all kinds of blends of stuff come in there. Neat. Depends on the character of the material. He has a skate sliding scale tipping fee. The more nitratious, uh, more green, the higher the cost it is uh, because it's harder to handle. Uh, carbon wood chips and things like that are cheaper. So it, it's based on that. This facility here in Franklinton, uh, it's an awesome facility just north of Raleigh. It's Novazines of North America. They, they manufacture enzymes for production of, uh, for industry. They make enzymes for beer making, detergents, all kinds of stuff. The, the, end, the byproduct is a sludge. It looks almost like peanut butter. It doesn't smell like peanut butter. It's, it's food grade. It's edible. I mean, it wouldn't hurt you. Uh, and then they, they lime, lime stabilize it. So it's killed off all the bacteria in there. So it's, it's just a benign, smelly sludge, like peanut butter. <laughs> Yum. Yum. Well, for years, what they've been doing is land applying. They own thousands and thousands of acres around there. What's happening is the nutrient level in the soil around there is going up and up and up. So they know it, they've been finding it. And they also, all the liquid, they irrigate, they irrigate all the lands around there with the sludge and the water. Um, so what they're doing, they built this facility to handle some of their sludge, the overflow. This is only handling about 20% of their um, sludge that they produce. The rest of it's shipped off in the surrounding areas and pl land applied to land for uh, soil amendment. High in nutrient value. Um, anyways, they also take in uh, wood chips, sawdust, um, pallets. They grind up pallets, color it, and sell them mulch. But uh, they do an amazing job. It's all state of the art. Underneath that pad is a leachate collection. Any water that percolates through that pad that that's sitting on is pumped back to some settlement pad, ponds. They monitor the the BODs and that, uh, and beyond that, if they have a flood, they have a another settling pond with spreaders, and stay of the art. It's amazing to see, and they're welcome. You're welcome to uh, tour that facility anytime.
Again, this is Wallace Farms, the guy I was talking about before. This, these two facilities, McGill has one in Rose Hill and another one down in, um, down near Wilmington. All in-house, enclosed, top secret. He doesn't like anybody in there, what he does. But inside there's aerated bays, and they bring in all kinds of stuff, sludges, manures, food waste, yard waste, um, some industrial sludges from unknown <coughs> places. Um, and they mix it up and they have, there's bays inside of that building with air aeration f underneath. The, and when they fill up these areas with the, the stuff, the mixture, they pump air underneath it to blow it to get the aeration and get those thermophilic bacteria going. They also have a, 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 a negative draft that pulls off the roof all the uh, air that's pumped through the pile and leached out of the compost piles, pulled out through and then it drops down through a what they call a, um, a biofilter. It's about a three acre side, four foot thick of wood chips and compost and things. As that air is pumped underneath that and percolates <coughs> through there, it strips out the microbes in that biofilter, strip out all the ammonium sulfur gases and cleans the air, it takes the odor out of it. And then Brooks is our local food waste collector. He's, he's one of the godfathers of food waste diversion in North America, or excuse me, in North, uh, not only North Carolina, but in the uh, United States. He developed that piece of equipment about 10 years ago, collecting food waste around here. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But he has a facility down in uh, Goldsboro. No, um, Goldston. Thank you. Great facility. We also have on site composting around uh, the state. These two facilities are at correctional institutions, Brown County Correctional Institution has a uh, Vermicomposting, this is a vermicomposting box with about 500 pounds of worms eating 250 pounds of worm or food waste. These two uh, are green drum tumblers and they're doing about 1,000 pounds of food waste every day with about a seven day retention in there. And I'll talk a little bit more about those in a minute. We have a smaller on-site, um, I guess, both of those are worm boxes. The one on the left is called Worm Wigwam. Uh, National Institute of Environmental Health and RTP has one. Has two of them outside their restaurant or cafeteria. Uh, Fort Bragg just put one in at their culinary school. And this little box here is what we have at our Dippy office, and that's doing about 50 pounds of coffee grounds, orange peels, and leftover sandwiches a, a week. Uh, it's been in operation for two and a half years. And it's, it just amazes me. It just keeps going. All I do is I dump in about 30 gallons of shredded office paper about once a month. I don't wet it. I don't do anything. We just bury food. The humidity in there keeps, maintains it. And somebody keeps stealing the castings, compost, the worm ca castings out the bottom of it. And like I said, for two and a half years, all we do is dump and run. We just bury the stuff and forget it. The worms consume everything. It's a nice little, nice little box. Um, how big is the one on the left? I'm sorry? How big is the one on the left? The one on the left is about 36 inches round, 36 inches tall, okay, and it does big? about 10 pounds a day. And then what, how big is the, the other one is four foot by five foot. Stands about four foot tall. And is there any smell, any um, 
rats? Does that attract any? We've never had any. The only problem I had in this box, we had uh, we had rock cockroaches nested in there this summer. And I, had, I bet we had 300 of them. When I opened it up and they just scattered. We had to nuke them. We put some kind of chemical in there. One of these little black traps got rid of them. We haven't seen them since. Um, it did disrupt the worm population. It slowed it down a little bit. Uh, I dumped about another pound or two in there, and they just they just come right back to life. But if if it has an odor, it's it's usually because it's gone anaerobic. You just need to fluff it up and get some air in there, and the odor should dissipate. The worms are good aerators. They're crawling through there and tunneling and growing. Shouldn't be an odor at all. And how much? One on right, oh, if we'd done right, if we pushed it, we could probably do 10 pounds a day in there. But we're doing about 50 pounds a week. And that's about right. So your work week, yeah. Pardon? Your work week, that's 10 right. pounds a day, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You could probably push 20 pounds for, really. A four foot by five foot, if, we, if you're gonna build a worm box, uh, they can handle about one pound of waste per square foot for square foot of surface area and you want about two pounds of worms population about 2,000 worms per square foot is optimum for a worm composter a pound of waste per square foot 